Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the best of the herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. Ah, here we go on a Tuesday. A glorious Tuesday, a sunny Tuesday now in Los Angeles. Hopefully drawing out live here. It's the herd wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Hopefully the fruit flies have subsided. Jay McInerney being attacked on the set yesterday. I've wiped this thing down about seven times. <laughs> oh, Jay Mac. How's that no haircut thing working out for you? I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm not getting a haircut. They're just doing a little trim up top, and I don't know. I, you know what? I, it's a summer of Colin. I'm going forward. I'm at another vacation next week, getting ready for a big football season. Mm. You know, I just it's time to take care of me and my Ooh, hair. Okay, that's what I like. <laughs> we'll take care of you. Got to put yourself first. Top priority. How obnoxious. <laughs> so uh, I was locked on an NFL preseason game last night. The Ravens hadn't lost a preseason game since 2015, and I don't spend a lot of time breaking down preseason games, so this may be a first. But they lost last night, and I was watching that, and you know what I honestly believed? That NFL players care more about the preseason than NBA players care about the regular season. That's the message I keep getting. Bucks Sixers TV Saturday. Nah, I played last night. My calf's a little sore. Ravens Commanders all out war all in. Leagues and players send messages through their effort, commitment, and style. Baltimore and Washington had me locked in for 90 minutes of the second half. I said this to my kids years ago. They were doing and participating in sports, and I said, I'll care if you do. The minute you don't, I'm out. I'm not a taxi driver or a Lyft driver or an Uber driver. The second you don't show passion, I got other stuff to do in the weekends. Trust me. And eventually, and they didn't care that much about it. And I was like, all right, they're good students. I'm good. They like to water ski and snow ski with dad. They want to play sports. I'm good. But the SEC for years is the college football conference I watch a lot because they care. The fans are crying. The cheerleaders are crying. The fan, the coaches are screaming. The announcers are all in. They care more, so I care more. I'm not from the South. I didn't go to Baton Rouge, LSU. I've been there once. Why do I care so much? If you care, I care. People for years have said football is popular because of the scarcity of games. It's not just that. It's an emotional investment. Careers can end at any time. By the way, we live in a very fractionalized world. People are on their phones and their social media stuff I didn't have when I was a kid. And what gets you to a TV set? What gets you to the radio? What gets you places? If it feels really important and you can't miss it. The effort last night those two teams put in was significant. 
Why would I care? I'm not from the D.C., Baltimore area. This game doesn't mean anything. I wanted to say memo to the NBA. Have your players at least fake like they care about the regular season. The NBA commissioner is now creating a midseason tournament so that his basketball players will care about playing basketball. It's a problem. It wasn't in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Maybe they're all so rich now. I don't know. I don't really care. It's not my issue. But last night was so great and so contagious and so fun. It's why we love this game. You care. I care. And John Harbaugh talked about it after. In the end, it's about, it's about a bunch. It's about football and, and, and the men and women now who play, who play the game. And it shows you what, this, what makes this game so great why it does matter so much, because it takes those kind of efforts. That, that's what you have to do. It's, it's, it's a courageous game. It's a, it's a game for courageous people. And it's a game for people that are willing to go out there and throw themselves around in really tough, awkward situations, physicality. You know, it takes, it takes that kind of grit to play this game and to fight like that. And that's, I think most people that love football love it for that reason right there. I don't know what the TV ratings were last night, but I could not have been the only person out here 3,000 miles away on the West Coast that was sitting there watching. I think Troy Aikman at one point said, this is the most fun I've ever had watching a preseason game. I got a little Sam Howell. I got a little Zay Flowers. OBJ didn't play, but they talked about him. I've never seen teams care more for a preseason football game. If you care, I care. It's that simple. Those men cared. So I was in. Here's a story. The Colts, <laughs> this, is, this has gone back and forth, are now seeking a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor. He was a second-round pick. I love that pick. He was terrific. Uh, but you'd have to sign him or trade for him and then sign him. It would be a lot of money. I don't know what his market is, but there's somebody out there that wants him. But let's just look, because I'm going to make a comp here. And I don't think I'm wrong. Look at the last three to four years at Indy. They fire Frank Reich, who immediately gets a great job and a raise from a really aggressive owner. They pulled the plug on Carson Wentz, despite the fact he had a 27 TD, seven pick season and a 96 and a half quarterback rating. That's pretty good. They've now ticked off their star running back, the best player on their team. They hired a head coach straight from ESPN, Jeff Saturday, good guy, not an NFL head coach. Does it sound like a well-run business? Oh, by the way, they won't sign their best player, which you can argue a second contract even for a star running back can be tenuous, but they will spend $100 million on a guitar collection for the owner. You know what Jim Irsay's become? The James Dolan of the NBA. Dad gave him a fortune, a great business. He's gotten rich, and he's now distracted and loves his music. It's a problem. He's also the most active NFL owner on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. That's not great. For years, people questioned Ursay, but he had a grown-up in the room named Peyton Manning that kept it stable. And then he had Andrew Luck, Stanford IQ. No nonsense. Kept it stable. The longer Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, further away they get in the rearview mirror, the crazier and the loonier this franchise appears to be five years eight starting quarterbacks it is a problem when you're a great franchise quarterback it's like joe burrow in cincinnati you're a bit of a magician you're showing us your right hand and all the greatness over here and then it's distracting us for all the goofiness and the ownership problems and the executive suite chaos over there it's a great magician burrow did it in cincinnati we didn't know if Zach Taylor could coach. It appears he can. The O-line was a mess. They didn't have an indoor practice facility in northern cold weather. Uh, they had a cheap owner. They didn't really have an official GM. And then a grown-up came into the room named Joe Burrow and solved all of it. And that's what happens in chaotic organizations. Maybe Deshaun Watson can solve the Browns, though I doubt it. But Peyton Manning did that for years. And then Andrew Luck did it for years. There's only so much a general manager like Chris Ballard can do. He's just an employee working for the boss. But a star franchise quarterback has the fans in their pocket too, and fans ultimately pay the owner. So Joe Burrow and Andrew Luck and Mahomes and Peyton Manning and Brady have real power, and the owner knows it. 
They move merchandise. They get you on television, and you benefit. What can a GM and a front office guy do? You know, you're running around at the behest of the owner. But this is a problem in Indianapolis. Another starting quarterback. Frank Reich is gone. Carson Wex wasn't great, but Carson Wentz was damn good for them. Uh, the Jeff Saturday situation. Jeff's a great guy, by the way, but that, that felt Looney Tunes. And now Jonathan Taylor. I've said before, you can make an argument that if Anthony Richardson is as good and productive athletically as most of us think he will be, sort of a Josh Allen, Cam Newton, that you could move. He's going to gobble up Jonathan Taylor's yards anyway. You could move Taylor if you could get a great corner and a receiver. I, I There's an argument to be made. There is that Anthony Richardson, as mobile quarterbacks, continue to gobble up running back yards. There's an argument that Anthony Richardson doesn't need a star running back. He could use a BB-plus running back. I get that. But the whole thing, the last four years, two weeks ago, didn't he say, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor? And now I read this morning, they're moving off Jonathan Taylor. It's just chaos, and you can't win in this league at the highest levels unless you've got the owner, the GM, the coach, and the quarterback buttoned up. You can't. Kansas City does. That's why they're a, a favorite again. Philadelphia now does. Nick Sirianni proved to be better than I suspected at coach. That's why they're a favorite in the NFC. All right, J-Mac. Jonathan Taylor's a Colt. Now he's not. They want to trade him. No, they don't. I have no idea where we stand with this So thing. riddle me this. Why wouldn't a team with a quarterback on a rookie deal go after Jonathan Taylor? I get it. That makes a lot of sense. I get oh, it. Oh, no, by the way, the Colts have a quarterback on a rookie deal. Yes. but what, but what are we but, doing? But, again— and I'm not saying it's the right call. You can argue if this young man is Cam or Josh Allen and is going to run for 1,200 yards and 9 to 12 touchdowns, he's going to gobble up so much of Jonathan Taylor's yards as he learns to throw from the pocket for two to three years that giving Jonathan Taylor a massive deal may not make a ton of sense. But at least come out and say, moving him, not moving him. Now this thing's flip-flopping back and forth. So what's the message you're sending to the locker room? He's your best player. You're not going to trade him. You are going to trade him. I think it's very hard to get a first-round pick for Jonathan Ooh, of and, because I also have to pay him. Right. So he was a second-round yeah. pick. Now i got to give you a first and pay him. That's going to be a hard sell. I think the market for that is pretty small, okay. but I do think he has a market. 49ers. Quarterback on a rookie deal. They see Christian McCaffrey out there. We will gladly take Christian McCaffrey off your hands. We'll pay the remainder of his deal. Yeah. Quarterback's on the rookie deal. It works. You then you know, support him with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. You got a great defense. Like, surely there's a team out there who's going to see this and be like, hey, that's going to work for us. I'm not saying you got to pay Taylor what McCaffrey got, but a, a little less than what McCaffrey got should be reasonable, right? Well, yeah. It's um, Again, there's been some hysterics about running backs not getting paid if you're great at anything in this life you're going to get paid you're going to have a market so jonathan taylor's going to have a market josh jacobs absolutely has a market saquon barkley eventually got his you may not get what you want but there's a market so i, I think there's a lot of things here um and, I, and i'm not saying i'm right i'm just saying i could understand a gm saying you know i've, I've talked to gms they don't want to give running backs huge deals and Jonathan made pretty good money. They, they just don't want to give a running back a massive okay. deal. Did you consider McCaffrey's deal when he signed it with Carolina massive? No. Okay, um, so... Well, <laughs> well but I, I consider McCaffrey a different player. So right. I love that move for three reasons. One, Kyle Shanahan. 100%. He makes it work. For the defensive coach, it doesn't matter. Uh, secondly, McCaffrey is a great running back. Third... He's an incredible receiver. Okay. So McCaffrey is the Swiss Army knife of backs in the league. He offers different dimensions. So that yeah. I got. Yeah. It's like Debo Samuel. You're paying him for a receiver and a back. If I had to just pay Debo for a receiver, I wouldn't give him huge money. I'd give Stephon Diggs big money, Devontae Adams big money, Jamar Chase big money, Justin Jefferson big money. Uh, you know, your guy with the Jets here in a couple of years big money. But Debo's a good receiver, but what he is is a great chess piece. So McCaffrey feels different than Jonathan Taylor. Well, again, you just say, hey, McCaffrey is the ceiling. You're, you're not getting that, Jonathan Taylor, but we will scale behind McCaffrey a little bit, scale down a little, and we could give you that. It just doesn't seem that hard. Ursay just seems like he's so dug in and wedded to this narrative that running backs, you cannot pay them. We refuse. And it's just like an old school way of thinking. He's butchered this. You know, you know Chris Ballard a little bit. 
Ballard must be just scratching his head like, what do I do well, here? I've got an irrational owner. GMs have no power Ugh. over strong owners. Quarterbacks do. Because quarterbacks have a link to fans. They sign autographs. They do selfies. They sell merchandise. There's people all over Indianapolis wearing Andrew Luck jerseys still. That's the people. That's why when Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck come to Indy, the owner understands. You got to give the. I mean, remember how emotional it was moving off Peyton Manning. They had to make sure everybody knew he loves us. We love him. He's okay with us moving off him. That's a billionaire yeah. saying, you know, you got to take care of your quarterback. Mahomes. Mahomes is more popular than the Hunt family, Brett Veach, Andy Reid combined, right? So you, the quarterback in this league is the only player that really the owner has to say sometimes, you win, I don't want to get into a publicity fight. But Mahomes only got there after the Super Bowl. See, that wasn't like number second year in the league. Mahomes is loved by everybody. I just got to wonder what Shane Steichen is feeling right now, Colin. You know, he takes his Colts job. He's like, oh, we got well, Pittman, we got Jonathan Taylor. When you, when you take a job in the NFL, I remember talking to a friend who interviewed for the Clippers when they had Donald Sterling, and I had said I would not take that job. Coaches tend to think it's the it's the last job you'll ever get, yeah. and you've got to take every offer. Um, this was not an ideal. I think Shane Steichen would have gotten a great job had he been a bit more patient because you didn't have a quarterback, impulsive owner, and the AFC's tougher. Well, if Shane Steichen sticks around in Philly one more year and get there's an NFC job and maybe a team that got Caleb Williams, and I'm not banging on, you know, he's got an agent. Right. Shane Steichen had made good money, then you get offered great money. But the indie job for Shane Steichen, you can argue Steichen was better than the job opening. Like Brian Dable okay. wasn't because the Giants are a great franchise. Um the Mara family's longtime owners. The NFC is weaker. For Brian Dable, he had the Chargers and the Giants. You could say, well, he was too good for that job. That was New York Giants is a blue blood job. Yeah. The Colts didn't have a quarterback, yeah. impulsive owner, increasingly meddling owner, it's tougher it, AFC. Yeah. Here's Trevor Lawrence. I can argue the Colts wasn't a great job. Do you start to wonder if McDaniels, remember McDaniels took the job for like seven minutes and then was like, whoa, I'm out of here. Do you, you start to wonder like, did he get a look behind the curtain at what Ursay's did? My guess is Steichen makes it work, but we all know this. Not all NFL jobs are equal. And, and, but what the problem is if you, if you've never made huge money and somebody offers you $6.9 million a year, you're married, you have kids. What do you say to that? Coaches tend to feel like you'll never get that offer again. I think Steichen was so respected in the market, like Dayball. Remember, everybody knew Dayball was, I mean, it was like Dayball was up for every good job that had a young quarterback, right? Steichen was the next Dayball. He was great with Justin Herbert. He was unbelievable with Jalen Hurts. Dude, in an offensive pivoting league, he was going to get multiple offers. There's an argument this was not the best one. That's all I'm saying. These, these, you know what I mean? Like, the Phoenix Suns job today is way better than it was a year ago with Robert Sarver. Same city, mostly same play, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, it changes. It's now a really good coaching job in Phoenix. Good owner, progressive, good roster. The so Washington job, if Ron Rivera gets run out, is going to be is a, a way better job. attractive job. Awful yeah. job last year. Now you've got Mr. Harris. You've got Sam Howell looked pretty good last You don't know what you have. Uh, <laughs> Sam Howell what? <laughs> Come on. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. 
Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, so the Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes. Here's the latest team, much to the chagrin of J-Mac. The Miami Dolphins reportedly are interesting in exploring a trade for star running back for the Colts, uh, Jonathan Taylor. They can do this, basically, because Tua only eats up 4.3% of their cap. Dak, I'm not sure he's that much better than Tua. It's throwing a football, uh, gobbles up 12% of Dallas's cap. So there's only two ways to win a Super Bowl. Have a star quarterback, there's about five or six of those, or have a pretty good quarterback that's not getting paid yet. Uh, you win a Super Bowl with those. Otherwise, you're the Vikings and the Cowboys. You're mostly fooling yourself. You have a B quarterback you're paying A money to. So two, what's fascinating about the Dolphins, and I think they're doing it the right way, Jalen Ramsey, Bradley Chubb, they bring in Vic Fangio, now they want Jonathan Taylor. Two is the only quarterback in the NFL that if he made a Pro Bowl and his contract was up, I couldn't give him an extension. So he's got a couple of years left. They're going to go all in for him because he is capable and they're not paying him big money yet. He gobbles up 4.3 million of the cap, 4.3%, 9.6 overall. And that's one of the ways you can get and win a Super Bowl, mostly get to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl, hard to win because you face a Mahomes or a Brady or, you know, a star quarterback. But I think what Miami's doing is basically saying, we got to go for it. You can't. You know, there's the old saying, all men are created equal. Yeah, maybe, but not in football. They don't They don't remain equal. Some guys just get hurt more, and Tua gets hurt more. College pro. And so what the I think what the Dolphins are doing is they're just saying, we're just going to go all in now, see how it plays out for the next two years. I totally agree with it. We have a brilliant coach. And remember, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, gives you about three years. Gave Adam Gase three years. Gave Brian uh, Flores uh, three years. Then he loses patience. He's a real estate guy. He flips houses and he flips coaches. So my take is here, if you're Mike McDaniel, this is year two. This year, next year, you got to go for it. There is no long runway for Tua. I think Miami's one of those teams where, again, Tua's a great kid, but I, I could never give him an extension. You guys always talk about running backs not getting extensions. If Tua made the Pro Bowl, I wouldn't give him a long-term deal. I can't. So instead of that, what I can do is give him the great supporting cast and unbelievable support and give him an opportunity to, to I, I, my takeaway is give him an opportunity to win now and next year because I, I don't think you can really construct a deal long-term with Tua considering it's not just an injury. That's not it. It's concussions. That's a completely different media narrative a completely different concern. So if I was the Dolphins, Jonathan Taylor, they've got some kind of middling running backs. I think they'd be fantastic. I think it would put them in a Super Bowl class. I think it's another element that would put them ahead of the very competent Jets. All very exciting. 
Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Cowboys haven't been to the NFC Championship in 28 years. But listen to this line. In the first 29 years of the team, they went to 12 conference championships in the team's first 29 years. 12. Zero in the past 28. And yet I would argue they are more popular now as a franchise than ever. Or or certainly than the first 29 years. 28 years, zero. Zero haven't been to an NFC championship in 28 years. So there's an entire generation of kids who have never seen them have success in the playoffs. 12 conference championships in the team's first 29 years. So 12 versus zero. And yet I would argue that they are more popular now as a franchise, as a brand, as a business, than they were 42 years ago. I mean, Am I wrong? Everything. 99% of things are more popular now than they were 30 years ago. Almost everything. They got the new stadium, you know. There's now social media. Everybody loves the Cowboys that's from the true, 90s. That's true, that's true. But the New York Jets, by the way, have been to three conference championships in the last, what, like 26 years, 25? Yeah. Testaverde and then the Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. Too. Yeah, the no, Jets been, have had more success. Uh, well, the Cowboys have years. won. They're just not winning big games. It's what Yankee fans are saying. They win a lot. That's a bad year. They win a lot. They're not winning enough big series. That's a difference. Georgia football won forever before Kirby Smart. They won all the time. They weren't beating Bama's and LSU, and they weren't winning the big games. But Georgia was very rarely bad. They were always good. I mean... Georgia's hard to lose at football. They've got players all over the state of Georgia. It's a great high school region. So Georgia was good forever. They were never great. The Yankees right now, mostly for 12 years, have been really good. They're not great. You know, it's just funny. The Dodgers and the Yankees, you know, one is looked at as the gold standard, the Dodgers. Well, they only got one championship in the last so many years. The Yankees have one, and they're considered like 
poorly run and shaky front office and non-committed uh, ownership. And it's like, well, they both got a World Series title in the last, you know, how many years, 15 or whatever. Newsflash, it it's difficult to win championships. Really, really hard. That's just a fact. Bill, Super Bill Parcells winning percentage, like 57%. And one of the most important coaches ever. Like the four biggest coaches in my since I've been alive. You can't count Lombardi. So, like, you know, I'm as alive, but it's young. I would say the four most important football coaches, Bill Walsh, the West Coast offense, Bill Parcells, the psychology of football, the incubator for Belichick, Belichick. So three Bills, okay. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, literally, Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. And then does Andy Reid get well? The well, I think I think Jimmy Johnson, because his ability to be the best college coach and then the best mm. NFL coach, also Jimmy Johnson did something that's huge. He created the draft chart, which I look at constantly on the internet. So nobody, nobody made trades before Jimmy Johnson. Mm. So when he was in the NFL, he was considered the best coach. And when he was in college, he was considered the best coach. Pete Carroll can make close to that claim. Um so I think, and then I think, I think Jimmy Johnson and Andy Reid feel like they're the next that, guys. That's a tough one because you Andy Reid's the most creative guy in the sport. He's going to go down with discovering Patrick Mahomes, who could be the next well, Tom Brady. Brett or Veach maybe discovered him, the GM. And then, okay, fair and, enough. So I would say your your big three are Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. And then I think Andy Reid and Jimmy Johnson have arguments. Jimmy's the great personnel eye in the history of football. I mean, this the ability. To recruit, I mean, people forget the Miami Hurricanes had a ton of three-star players. Yeah. <laughs> he would go find. I mean, that's Jimmy. They never got like five-star offensive linemen. He just found them, and then I think so. His personnel eye and Andy Reid's creativity offensively put them in a class where they just feel different than other other really yeah. great coaches. Huh. Is, am I wrong on that? I'm throwing that. I mean, I'm not going to count Lombardi, but it's the Bill, 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 and then Andy and Jimmy. Now, you could say, well, Colin, you know Jimmy and you like Jimmy, but Jimmy literally created the New York Giants had made one trade ever before Jimmy Johnson created the draft chart. Who, who was the Steelers coach who won a, uh, some Super Chuck Bowl? Chuck Noll. Noll, okay. But a, a lot of that was considered, I mean, it was just their defense their literally defense, had the okay. same great players. Joe, like does it. Joe Gibbs get in this discussion? Now, Joe Gibbs, if Alex wasn't on vacation, Gibbs, <laughs> Gibbs is a really an interesting one because... Uh, Joe won Super Bowls with like multiple quarterbacks. Oh, Shula. Yeah, but he never won a Super Bowl with Marino. Isn't that kind of now? The, now the most underrated coach of my lifetime easily is is Mike Shanahan. Half the league runs his offense, and he oh. and he's got two Super Bowls. And by the way, Elway had Dan Reeves before Shanahan, and it didn't work. So Shanahan wins Elway two Super Bowls. Half the league today runs that offense, well, uh, and he's th- not in I the Super it was Bowl. Terrell Davis. Uh, well, but came, again, came it was to the rescue. It was the run game of Shanahan, which Kyle and Mike have proven. Every, I mean, Elijah Mitchell, six rounder, can run yeah. for. So, like, so the the Hall of Fame is so weird in football. So the Basketball Hall of Fame will put in an official. They'll count your college. They'll count your pro. They count everything. The NFL. How am I supposed to not consider? Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll's college dominance. When they were in college, they were the best college coach in the whole sport. And then they transition to the NFL and turn around franchises, you know, like, eh, and become, like, create just dominant teams and cultures, and I can't count the college stuff? So the NFL has a level playing field because of the salary cap. Yeah, well, College football does not have any semblance of a level playing field. Okay, but let let me just say this. That's a great point. The NFL, the perception is, because of the salary cap, it's an even playing field. No, it's not. Stan Kroenke allows less need, the GM, to have $130 million more million per year to play with because he can write checks that Bidwell can't. So the, I, the fans think it's all a salary cap. No, it's not. If you have Stan Kroenke or Jerry Jones, you can write, because in the NFL, you've got to okay. have that money in the bank. Mark Davis can't write those checks. Bidwell can't write those checks. Kroenke can write any check, any time to get anybody. Write off Bobby Wagner, Vaughn Miller, Matt Stafford. It doesn't matter. Okay. So the salary cap is overstated. It's a hard cap, well, but if you – the Arizona Cardinals have over $100 million less to work with annually, 
than Jed York's Niners and and, and Stan Kroenke's Rams. Right. Well, okay. In terms of writing we'll off of stuff. the three, the big three, baseball not even close to level playing. Well, field. we know We've that. that. Eight. NBA, I would say, has a bigger gap between the haves and the have-nots, the small markets and the big markets. But that's created by cultural and by players who just don't want to play in certain markets. But also some of these owners, like you said, don't want to spend. And then you got Ballmer, who's just got billions and billions of dollars. I think the NFL has the most level of the big three playing field. And it's way more of a level playing field than college football. Let me ask you this, though. As the leagues become more quarterback-centric, why is it now easier to pick divisions? If you have Trevor Lawrence, you're going to win 13, 12 games. So this is something I warned about three years ago. I believe you were right three to four years ago. But as the league, because of safety reasons, has made it more quarterback-friendly, quarterback-protective, if you don't have a star quarterback, the only other way to get to a Super Bowl is to have a capable kid you're not paying. I mean, mean, the league is totally quarterback-dependent now. You're not winning titles in the NBA without a star. I mean, you need a star quarterback in the NFL, period. But there's a bunch of stars. You can have a variety of different stars. Milwaukee had a star. Denver had a star. Golden State's had stars. You you say, well, you have to have a star in the NBA. But they're top 10 players, Giannis and Jokic. But half the league has an elite star player. Now, there are Miami's a much more attractive market to play in, if you ask players, than maybe a Memphis. Don't we talk about number ones? How many number ones are there in the NBA? There's like seven, eight, maybe nine number ones. Well, you don't even know if Tatum's a number one. In the NFL, number one quarterbacks, you say there's five or six. So it's kind of, sort of, it's just tougher to find and identify because the think pool the, is smaller. It's just college football. I think NBA, the NFL, you go international, you can find superstars. I think the NFL, increasingly, there's an illusion of parity. No, there's no. There's an illusion of parity in the NFL. Now, college football has no illusion of parity. Ohio no. State, Michigan, Clemson, you know, whatever. Well, Col- NFL says there's an illusion of parity. That you think there's parity. Okay, define parity then. If there's anybody only can win, please. Okay, so we're starting the season. I can take th- nine NFL teams, eliminate them completely, nine others, and say you can't win more than a playoff game. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer, and we have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Carmen and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts so clat was just a, a couple minutes late uh the private jet in town car uh they had to refuel so he is now joining us here on the set it is good to see joel clat he made it so personal i was just like he spent a lot of money and this guy's going over there like, naming clubs and man holy you know J Mac, clean it a, up I, I will say this um did he was, say jiggle joints i don't even know what that is I, what a what are we doing? Does that mean jello shooters? I, I don't even know what that means. I have no idea. I'm in my 50s. This stuff's over my head. Let's just talk about cheeseburgers and Harbaugh, <laughs> yeah. shall we? Okay, yeah, so there we go. Harbaugh, and I like him. Mm-hmm. Be- That's been established. He says, okay. He didn't apologize at Big Ten Media Day. So no. Nothing to apologize for. He imposes a three-game ban. So, first of all, during COVID... Our epidemiologists couldn't figure out exactly what to do. Yeah. So a college football coach, they were all just trying to pay bills and figure it out. Well, and and this incident that this all stems from is is kind of, I mean, there's a bit of nuance to it. There's there's no doubt. But can I just say that the incident for me doesn't matter at all. The the subsequent like quote unquote lie, if he misinformed or. Um, wasn't completely honest with the NCAA, doesn't matter to me. If you're focused on that, if you're focused on the, the suspension, whether it was self-imposed or, or what the NCAA is going to do in, in the future, whether you think it's fair or not, you're looking in the wrong spot. It's a diversion. It's a diversion. You're probably a Michigan fan or Ohio State fan. And the reason I say that is because this is essentially a picture of why the NCAA is so bad. So bad. A lack of consistency, a lack of rule enforcement, 
total ineptitude across so many levels, including the COVID schedule and what was permissible and what wasn't per- it was permissible a, it was during a, that time. It was a mess. How are they enforcing that? Like, it, it was a mess, right? Every school had to come up with their own COVID philosophy and, and what, what the rules were as far as masking and, and how many students were going to be back on campus and, or, or how many fans were going to be allowed. NCAA had nothing to say about it. They, they never take a tough stance, but, boy, they'll get involved. And it's like, hey, wasn't there a recruit when he wasn't supposed to be there and didn't you feed him? And what, Aren't there coaches that are coaching a practice when they shouldn't have been? Or, or I, I don't care about any of that. This is a picture of NCAA ineptitude. This is a picture of why this organization, the NCAA, needs to go away. Yeah. Needs to go away. And and I will say, I, I believe that it will. And that's actually somewhat exciting for me. Just to give you a quick an- an analogy, remember when I told you that the demise of the Pac-12 was over the course of a decade. Right. Decisions made a decade ago, and some, some of them even further, were the first dominoes in a long line of dominoes that we saw ultimately collapse a couple of weeks ago. Okay? Yeah. We are in the middle of the string of dominoes of the NCAA. That's why I'm excited, because there's an end in sight. Yeah. They have been so inept when it came to getting a fr- in front of NIL. They only move when it's, when it's litigation, and they, they, they a, lose litigation, they and they spend a, millions of dollars on litigation. They had a 10-year head start on a- NIL, and then were did. shocked when it happened. I, t- I spoke specifically with people at the NCAA seven years ago, six years ago, and I told them, this is what I said verbatim to them. They would ask me about name, image, and likeness, and I said, you take two steps that you don't want to right now, or you're going to be forced to take 10 in four years that you can't, and you won't be ready for, and it'll all collapse. And that's exactly what's happened. So in, in, in so many ways, Colin, we are in this chaotic environment because of the ineptitude of the organization that we all think that we're still under. And, and what I'm not even proposing but seeing in the future is that what we're going to see at this end of the line of dominoes is that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to garner enough power through their size, through their revenue, where they're just going to say, like, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. We don't need you. Yep. And college football will be better for it. They're not involved when it comes to crowning a champion. And, and quite frankly, they're not really involved when it comes to governance because they, they govern in some areas and not others. Their, their penalties across schools, ask USC fans, are totally inconsistent. On, on basically similar infractions. They're a PR disaster, and, and this is all I can think about when this Harbaugh issue comes up. So do I think that they should suspend Harbaugh you know, or the self-imposed three-game ban? I don't, I don't know, and I don't care. I really don't, because I know that whatever he did or allegedly did or didn't do at Michigan pales in comparison to the tampering that coaches are doing, and I know for a fact are doing, with players on other rosters right now in yeah. the NIL and transfer portal. So that's that's my take. All right. Good take. All right. So this sounds on the surface ridiculous, but college football fans can be ridiculous. Oh, I love it. Harbaugh beats Ryan Day a third time and hammers him, and Ryan Day's in trouble. Oh. Sounds crazy. Three straight wins. By the way, they ground and pound it. Ohio State gets bulldozed. Still hmm. doesn't have an offensive identity beyond really good receivers. Three straight losses. It's convincing. It's as if Ohio State can't find their footing. And Ryan Day suddenly in trouble. Yeah, I mean, listen, he, he, he would fall under a lot of heat. He's fallen under a lot of heat. Even last year, losing you know the second time. But in what, a row. was he in under a lot of heat? You think? No, because he had his AD, Gene Smith. Yeah, was had his back and had his back, and so. But he's leaving. It, it, it was no, it was noise. Yes, and so this this is where it gets interesting. Gene Smith announced that he's going to retire, and you know what? Congratulations, Gene. Gene's been one of the best yep. athletic directors Great in the career. country for a I long know time. Gene. Great, Great guy. guy. And any coach will tell you the last place that they want to be is working for someone that didn't hire them. Because inevitably, and in particular at a post like Ohio State, ADs want their fingerprints on the biggest programs no question. in the athletic department, namely the football program. Now, I'll give you an example of a guy that has to come had to come in as an athletic director and just be totally hands-off. Greg Byrne went from Arizona to Alabama. 
Well, Nick, Nick Saban was already there. Guess how much say Greg Byrne has over... Not much. Not much. And I've talked to Greg about this, and I'm not taking a shot, right? Yeah. Like, that's just... Nick Saban was Nick Saban. The problem for, for Ryan would be working for a new AD with the heat of the fan base as the AD is trying to fundraise in, in the midst of a challenging environment with NIL when he still has to go fundraise for things like facilities and scholarships and so on and so forth. When the fan base isn't happy, then the AD would feel that. And if the AD doesn't have the equity that Gene Smith had, yeah. then it becomes a little bit more tumultuous, right? So Ryan knows that. I've talked to him about this. He knows that there's pressure. He knows that they they have been close and that they have fallen short in, in the worst times, namely against Michigan and in the playoff. And, and that has to change. And I think that they've done some things, and in particular in development of their defense, that they hope will change that. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, with what Michigan is bringing back this year on the offensive line, in the backfield, at quarterback, on the defensive side, Michigan's the favorite in the Big Ten, and rightly so. And they host Ohio yeah, State I in think, Ann Arbor to end the year. Yeah, I think Michigan may be the best team in the country. I, think I mean, I, I think... that. 15 NFL guys? Correct me if I'm wrong. That's a lot well, we don't know that. To be, I mean, we just are you just taking Harbaugh's word for it? Well, Apparently, I, he lied I, to the NCAA. I was uh, so studying I mock drafts all weekend. So were you, were you, you mocks already in, in August? Yeah. That's impressive. I'm dealing with a professional You're, here. I tell you what, your study habits, uh -huh. second to none. All right, Clat, I see this. I see your preseason top 10. I'm okay with it. But you do have <laughs> USC at 8 and Washington at 6. So you I don't, do. So Lincoln Riley basically gets you know first place he's accustomed to. What that's telling me, though, hmm. what that's telling me is you don't think they're going to solve their defensive issues, and I they're mean, real issues. That's what you're telling me, because Washington's defense has no NFL players. If you look at all they're the— They're better than well, USC. Well, my bad. They have, they have one good rush end, my bad. They have a rush end that'll get taken in yeah, maybe yeah. late first round. Yeah, they have one really good rush end, but it's mostly an offensive story. Okay. What you're telling me is— Oh, and USC is not? No, you had, no, they got some big Do old they? Sunday bodies. Okay, we'll see. Kalen we'll see this Bullock, week, week Mason zero. We, we're going to see them play. I got alphabetical order up here. <laughs> Light never goes off. All right. So you're telling me USC, and by the way, I love Lincoln, but at some point, if, people, if they have to win by shootout again, you got to make some changes. Okay, you are insane. Do you know why I say that? So data is insane. No, no, no. Specifically, I say insane. insane, Because you know the definition of insanity. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, that and skydiving, but go ahead. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Name the last defense Lincoln Riley put on the field that was even decent. Well, that's my point. And he's had Alex Grinch. Okay, been well, so then now all of a sudden, so what, I, what I'm trying to tell you is they were, they, in my rankings, they fell behind Washington because I trust Washington more defensively. They were a better defense than USC. That's, I mean, so my point I've is. An, I've got an 11, 9, and, and 6 year old, okay? And they're, they're all boys. But those of you that have elementary kid, uh, kids, you parents out there, you're going to know this analogy. You know, there's always one kid in the classroom that has a peanut allergy. Oh, man, it's a big deal these days, yeah, right? Big, the big allergy deal. kid, yeah, yeah. right? So, and nothing against the allergy kid. We just all know that like, it, it exists. And so, like, if you try to bring a treat in on your kid's birthday, oh, my gosh, it's like a million hoops to go through. It's yeah. like, well, what does little Susie need? Right, Susie right, right. needs a Rice Krispie yeah. treat, and, and Jimmy needs a glazed donut, and yeah. all this, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah. USC's defense was the peanut allergy kid. They, they're allergic to tackling, which is, <laughs> which was like, I, the last time I checked, it is well, pretty important to tackle. Did you see what, what Utah did to them? Did you see what Tulane did to well, them? Did you like, see what UCLA did to them? I mean, let's be them? fair. Look what they inherited. He's just trying to fix the roster. That's fine. No, look, I, I'll give you that. Yeah. My, my problem is this is not a, a track record where you can point to what Alex Grinch or Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma and say, oh, see, they've got a track record no, of I, a I, way to fix this. Yeah. So that's why they fell at eight. Yeah. Prove it. Now, they've gotten some transfers that I think could really improve them Sunday defensively. bodies. I agree with that. I need to see it in order to come off of that stance. I, like it's, I know what Caleb can do. 
I'm interested to see what the run game is because Lincoln's offense is always better when they've yeah, got I don't a really worry good about run that game. At all. I, I don't generally either because it's always been there. They've got a track record of success. There's no track record of success for them defensively whatsoever. So, like, to me, it's just another eighth ranked team in the country with a great quarterback that's going to go to try to outscore people. I was allergic to math in uh, seventh grade. <laughs> that's the only thing I was allergic so to. Good. I tried to get it banned from school and I couldn't. You couldn't? Oh, man. Good um, effort, though. First controversy of the college football season. And you're not going to be able to duck it. You're going to have to talk about it. So I, I'm, I'm going to prep you. You better get ready for this. It's, not, it's nothing like the peanut allergy. First controversy <laughs> of the college football season is going to be in week two. And I'm going to address it with Joel Klatt next. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. The average break in lasts 8 to 10 minutes. You need 24-7 live guard protection from Simply Safe, 20% off the system. If you sign up today, simplysafecolin.com. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right. I, uh, you said I, there was controversy? I like to confront problems. A lot of people are passive-aggressive. Not me and Harbaugh. No. We're right at them. Yeah. Right at the orange cone in the freeway. Right at it. <laughs> Drive over it. Or the pothole in Manhattan Beach. There you go. I can make it. First problem. If you give Nick Saban an offseason to get ready for a pocket quarterback, problems. Manziel, Cam, they're guys that give him problems, yeah. right? The mobile quarterback. Deshaun Watson. Quinn Ewers can be a little unrefined, bad historically against good teams, faces Bama, mm-hmm. and unravels, and Sark's got a quarterback controversy going into week three. Arch Manning's more talented. Ewers unravels. His number against top-ranked teams, he's not the same quarterback. Okay, let me ask you a couple of questions. All right. One is, when did Quinn Ewers look his best last year? Against bad teams. Uh, False. It was the first quarter against Alabama. Oh, the first quarter. Until he got hurt. Got hurt in the middle of the second quarter. He was playing the best football he had he had ever played. All right. Played really well against OU as well. But I know OU didn't turn out to be that great of a team. So I I understand and I get your premise. I really do. He eats pocket quarterbacks alive eventually. He does. He he, he generally does. Now the game plan that Texas used last year against Alabama was really good, and and so Alabama is going to have to adjust um, to that game plan. Namely, what what Sark was doing was using a lot of movement and aggressiveness downfield you know passing and play calling that gave Alabama some fits i think what what is is more intriguing to me about that game is not the Quinn Ewers aspect i actually expect Quinn Ewers to play well i expect Sark to have a great game plan if you're asking me like who's who's one of the best game planners with some time in his back pocket it would be Steve Sarkeesian yeah. so i think Texas is going to have a really good game plan the question for me is about Alabama's quarterback. Who's it going to be? And is that a guy that Nick Saban is going to trust? Because Nick Saban inevitably falls back to his roots, you know, at times like this, which is Run I want it. a guy that I can trust. I right. want a guy that won't turn the ball over. Well, he's got basically a choice amongst three guys that are turnover prone. Milrow played last year against Texas A&M. Turned it over three times. It's the only reason A&M was even close in that game. Got a sniff, almost won in Tuscaloosa. Why? Because the quarterback turned the ball over. Taylor Buckner, Tyler Buckner, excuse me, the transfer from Notre Dame, he has been turnover prone. Yeah. I mean, ask a Notre Dame fan. Yeah. He's thrown eight interceptions in just a little over 100 pass attempts in his career. Yeah. Four of them for pick six. Yeah. So Colin, like, who does Saban go with? Because if Alabama turns the ball over three times, Texas will win. Yeah, they will beat them, and and in and in that setting, Quinn doesn't lose his his job. And I actually this premise about like Arch breathing down his neck, I I just don't I don't think it's I don't think it's true. I think that the Manning family would like Arch to sit for a year, and they also don't want to be seen as meddlers. Correct. They don't like that. And and candidly. Arch played at a really low-level high school, and he needs to develop some. I mean, he, he did not look great in the spring. Now, he the talent is there. Yeah, the yeah. talent is there, yeah. and you can see that. But as far as the development, the development in terms of what you're seeing and the speed at which you're seeing it, that needed to pick up. So I, I don't think that the Arch Manning issue this year I don't think is an issue. This is Quinn Ewer's team, and, and I think you know they'll go – I don't know how good Texas is going to be. I, I, did you see? Did you hear that I paused? I've got this. 
I don't want to talk about Texas. They got a top 10 roster. They should win the league. All these things. I can't, you can't say that because they perpetually underachieve. They do. Don't knock small school quarterbacks. I went to one and look what happened. Look what happened to you. No, I listen. I, this Texas is a glamour program and I live a very glamorous life. So I love Texas. I was going to say, you are like Texas and USC. You're like, (laughs) I have all the glamour, but none of the production. I'm always a little little shy on the production. No, that's not true. I want them to win. I just, I'll say this. It'd be great if they won. I love when Texas is good. I just do. They're fun. That day against Alabama last year in Austin was an amazing day. Here's another one. First thing I always look at when you hire a new coach, does he master his side of the ball? Okay. Second big controversy. Ooh. Brent Venables, weak schedule, mm. four losses by Thanksgiving. And Oklahoma has to make a decision going into the SEC. And that defense. That's interesting. By the way, don't tell defense me about recruiting. Was terrible last year. Don't tell me about recruiting. Oklahoma recruited well, did, with John recruited, Blake. They always recruit. Uh, Oklahoma uh, false. always. False. Oh, come on. They recruit great. Brent, Brent Venables just signed a higher class than Lincoln Riley ever signed. Yeah. Congrats. That doesn't mean that's, anything that's, to me. That's, They've always got pros. They're Oklahoma. They that recruited better on the defensive side. They got this guy, Desan McCullough, a transfer from Indiana, who I think is a really good player uh, on their defensive line. Can they coach him? I, I actually think Oklahoma is, is one of those sneaky, underrated, lost a bunch of close games last year, and they could pop this year. They've got their quarterback back. Their defense can be improved just a little bit. I think six of their losses were by one score. What was the score in that Texas game? It was a, it was bad. I believe it was but in the games nothing. where Dylan Gabriel was healthy the entire game and he played the entire game, they never lost by more than a touchdown. And I think if those turn over now, they may not, but if those those turn the over schedule, and they generally do, because the schedule's not tough. Oh no, it's really soft. They were supposed to play Georgia, remember, this year yep. in the non conference. And so Georgia that fell off of both of those schedules because of the inevitable move to the SEC. And so both of those schedules are incredibly weak. I actually think Oklahoma is a team that can pop a little bit. But if they don't, in, in your premise, okay, let's say hypothetically, three losses. there would be a lot of conversation at OU. Because when Lincoln Riley left, you know, there's a certain circle of the wagons. We're oh, gonna go. We're going to go get our some, guy. There was some real vitriol. Yes, there was. Uh, so there was a circle of the wagons. Let's go get our guy, Brent mm-hmm. Venables. So they're going to let – there's some tarmac here. They don't yeah. want to. They don't want to end up with egg on their face. And my takeaway is, you're, if you're going to the SEC and you don't have the right coach, be careful. That that's serious football. I, I would agree with that, and in particular when you look at a year where Texas may. It's the most talented will, team they've had. May be in line to potentially win the Big Twelve, and you, you all of a sudden you're OU. You've owned the Big Twelve for twenty years. Owned it. Owned Texas for better part of a decade. And then you would be staring down the proposition of walking into the SEC with you trending down and Texas trending up. Oh, they wouldn't be able. By to the way, that. Kansas State is sneaky good. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, Baylor's always competitive. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's down this year, but Texas will they be really lost good. All their players, Mason Cobb. They lost Mason Cobb. You already talked about. Yeah. Him. All right. Um, <laughs> let's see what. Oh, you have the uh, Joel Klatt show. Yeah. Uh, a college football podcast. Uh, you're doing Colorado TC. I'll give you a minute. I don't know about I don't know about Dion. I think it's fun. It listen, we know what Colorado's known for. Beautiful views and cannabis. I think they can pivot to a six-win team, maybe. Is that realistic? Uh, not quite, no. Uh, that would be a plus five in the win column. Plus, plus fives just don't happen in college football. They don't? No, they don't. I believe Washington and USC got to plus four last year, which is which is really high, or maybe plus five. They're very rare. It's a tough schedule. Good quarterback. However, I will say this. Colorado compete, can compete with their starters with anybody out there. So watch out for those first couple of games when they don't have the the attrition of injuries against TCU on the road and against Nebraska at home. I think they win one of those first two games. Wow. Yeah. Urban Meyer was on this show. Urban's like way better than I thought at practice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're legitimately a, a good football team this year. And I know that's hard to believe because of all the players that left, but all the players that left just went 1-11 and lost by an average of 29 points. They needed them to leave. When you were there in the 70s, was... <laughs> this guy. This was, guy. It, was it a big party school then? Because now it's just... Number one, man. Was it really? Yes. 
Wow. Early 2000s, by the way, 70s. I went to the Harvard of the Palouse, Eastern Washington. Bed by nine, baby. Up early, is making things the, happen. Is that the red turf team? It is the red turf Gosh. team. It, it figures you went to a school with a gimmick football No, no, no. Field. They didn't. I paid for it, though. You did? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Roos paid for most of it. Oh, hey. But you donated like the from the five-yard line the in? The only problem with that is when it snowed, it became the pink field. Oh, that's terrible. We didn't think about Spokane weather. You live, you learn. Yeah. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.